Welcome in everyone to the 47th episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Colin Winship and Toby Collis Hanford. How's it going, everybody? I'm doing great. How are you? I am ballin'. We're going to get into two wide receivers in this edition of our Rookie Spotlight series. As always, to keep up with everything that we've got going on, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty and get into some Reddit discussion with me at r slash Dynasty FF. And our username there is u slash Deep Dive Dynasty pod. Toby, we are going to finally get into one of the players. He's number one on the field. He's number one in my rankings. Jamar Chase. What do you think about Jamar Chase? Yeah, I think he'll be the first wide receiver off the board. In, in fact, in the NFL draft, in the NFL draft, he'll be first off the board going to the Miami Dolphins. You heard it here first. No, I mean... I've heard that in a lot of places, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is true. Jamar Chase, if you don't know about him, the... normally I just give the first kind of overview, but you got to talk about the stats first with this guy because he didn't play any games this year. Mm-hmm. But 2019, he exploded absolutely exploded he was with lsu and they won it all um he was playing ahead of justin jefferson before he declared he was playing with joe burrow before he declared and he was downright phenomenal he had a yard per catch rate of over 20 which is pretty nuts and despite his small size which is the knock that almost every analyst puts on him he plays extremely strong he plays tall he high points the ball the number one fact that I want to bring up, because when I initially saw that he only has one good season, and it was with Joe Burrow, and it was with the championship winning team. Yeah, but, you know, Colin said this even before he recorded, he's playing ahead of Justin Jefferson. And if you go back and look at the tape, it's not that there was a good team around him giving him a role to play. He was part of the reason why the team was so tremendous. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase was dominating people at the line of scrimmage. He was dominating people at the break of his route and was dominating people in terms of his speed down the pitch. Jamar Chase is absolutely fantastic. And if I was to comp him as he is only six feet, I would compare him to a more refined Amari Cooper. Okay. I think Amari Cooper has a lot of good things going for him in terms of some of the intelligence. I don't think Jamar Chase at any point is not going to be game scripted out, but he won't be doing the disappearing acts that we've seen from Amari Cooper because he's just too dominant. He's going to have not just first round caliber. I think he'll be a top 10 pick. And with that will come lots of expectations, yes, but also a lot of balls thrown his way. Yeah, just opportunity. His opportunity is going to be amazing no matter where he goes. You'd hope he goes somewhere such as uh, maybe even like the Lions would be interesting. Getting, that getting, be bad. getting golf. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That would be solid. But you don't need to hear me say that Jamar Chase is an absolutely unbelievable athlete that is going to excel at the pro level. Almost everyone already knows this. What I think really sets him apart is his athleticism when he's attacking the ball, his ability to high point it, and his ability to break from his releases to get that little bit of space makes up for any of the people out there saying he's not quite tall enough. He's not quite strong enough. I hear you. And sure, he's not going to be as tall as the next guy we'll talk about. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know that's empirical data that is true. <laughs> it does not bother me. Jamar Chase, he's, you know, he's a venerated number one and he deserves to be. He's going to be lethal at the pro level. Yeah, like I think it's funny that you're saying like, oh, it's, you know, it's the biggest knock people have against him is his size. And the reason that that's the biggest knock on him is because there's no knock on him. He's so damn him. good. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's people trying to find something mm-hmm. that's taking away from this receiver. Being six foot and 210 pounds, 
that's fine size. Like it's yeah. it's on the lower end of what you're looking for. It's not bad at all. And like you're saying, he's just so dominant. And I do think it's smart to conceptualize his 2019 season because you had Joe Burrow, you had Justin Jefferson lining up beside you. You also had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was dominant. This was an incredible offense. We obviously all know about that. And when we're talking about these players on an incredible offense, we are usually saying that they are benefited from their offense. But this offense did benefit a lot from their number one target, which was Jamar Chase. Obviously, we are also comparing him to Justin Jefferson. And Jamar Chase was a sophomore, while Jefferson was a junior, and even with that being said, Jamar Chase was in front of Justin Jefferson, being that one, getting the more significant coverage every single game. He had the best corners in the nation, you know, someone like Jeff Okuda or whoever they were playing. You watched it in the national championship game against Clemson, where he dominated one of the top cornerbacks in college football. He was getting the best coverage, and he was beating them every single game. Going into his stats, because like you said, it's important to talk about, he only has two seasons of stats, and one of those seasons has very few stats. He played in 10 games in 2018. He had only 29 targets, where he caught 23 of those targets for 313 yards, which is a target share of only 7.5%, a.k.a. He wasn't being used as a feature point at all in this offense, and he had three touchdowns. Then, of course, he has the absolute explosion of value in an incredible offense. He had 111 of Joe Burrow's targets for 84 receptions over 14 games. He had 1,780 yards, which is a yards per reception of 21.2. This target share in that incredible offense was 19.6%. And he had 20 touchdowns over those 14 games. This is a dominant player who immediately jumped his way into the conversation of the best receiver in football. And that was with players that had tons of hype last year, like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. Even then, you could hear everyone talk about, these guys are great, but next year we're going to have Jamar Chase come out and he's going to be even better. You interestingly bring up Amari Cooper. I have seen a ton of people talk about that this is the best wide receiver prospect we have seen come out of college since players like Sammy Watkins and Amari Cooper, who were absolutely incredible in Mm -hmm. college. So that is the level of receiver that you are getting here in Jamar Chase. And my comp that I came up with more just stylistically, they're about the exact same size. If Jamar Chase has a pro day and does all of the same drills i expect them to test somewhat similarly and it's another first round capital drafted wide receiver it's dj moore like i said they're the same size i think stylistically they're fairly similar but jamar chase is a better route runner he is much better at the catch point and he is just simply a better player than dj moore he is more dominant and i expect him to be more dominant at the NFL level. This is a receiver we're talking about where some people are having him in their top five wide receivers already, and he's only 23. DJ Moore, that is. DJ Moore, yeah, of course. And honestly, it's not long. You wait one year, I expect Jamar Chase to be, like, he will be a wide receiver one in Dynasty. I fully expect that. That is the level of domination that he should have, even if he doesn't absolutely explode. You've seen it with CeeDee Lamb this year. You'll see enough that... 
people will already be wanting to put him up in that top five, top 10 wide receivers because the ceiling with these type of players at wide receiver are higher than almost anybody. It's so hard to get one of those Devontae Adams type players. And if you can get someone who will turn into a Devontae Adams type player when he's 21, which is the current age of Jamar Chase, that's how you make gains and win championships. A small thing that I liked seeing Jamar Chase's tape is that he was used dynamically around the field. It wasn't only outside. Justin Jefferson was the main slot guy, but he did move around the field trying to beat coverages and confuse defenses. I even saw him very occasionally line up in the backfield. That wasn't frequently, though. He can bully defenders. He uses every bit of size that he has. He can get up over them on jump balls, as you said, great at the catch point and great at those little, you know, the ball is about to come and he's not interfering with his defender, but he just makes enough contact that it really looks like there's only one player going up and getting the ball because the other guy is stumbling off of his catch point. Even against the best corners that they could throw at him, he was consistently dominating his competition. He has soft hands. I am not concerned at all about his ability to catch the ball. He's comfortable catching away from his body. He makes a ton of difficult catches look really easy. And then I love him with the ball in his hands. He makes players miss and breaks through tackles very frequently. Talking about his route running, I think it might even be a little bit underrated because people don't look at him like a Jerry Judy and say, oh, he's elite, he's always getting separation because of how much press coverage he's getting because people are trying to knock him off of his route. He's still getting a ton of separation and what really impresses me is when people are right in his face and he's bullying through them. Then mid-route, while he's got someone right in his face, he can stop on a dime, turn, and totally juke them out so that he can get the separation mm -hmm. that you need. There's a lot of players that are very dominant in college and are very dominant at the catch point that have that concern for me that I'm not sure they can separate at the next level. I don't have that concern with Jamar Chase. He's mm -hmm. just very solid across the board. That's really all the notes I took on Jamar Chase in terms of his tape. It's no shocker. He's very good. I expect him to stay at my number one receiver in my rankings. You never know. The draft could change things. It's very unlikely, but as of right now, I expect he will be my number one. There are concerns with Devonta Smith. I would have to absolutely fall in love with Devonta Smith's tape for me to put him above Jamar Chase. It's very likely at this point that Jamar will be my number one wide receiver. The only way he wouldn't is if Devonta Smith goes one, before Chase at the draft, and two, to a much better team than Chase at the draft. Yeah, even if it's before... Because we saw it last year, you know, Henry Ruggs was first off the board. Yeah, that's I actually true. I <laughs> don't even care that much. It could be some crazy landing spot where I'm like, oh my god, I can't sure. believe that Jamar Chase ended up in a spot where he's taking over Michael Gallup's role yeah. and then it's it's Cooper. Yeah, that's, that's a good example of a place where he could actually be hampered by incredible competition. But it is incredibly likely that Jamar Chase will be my number one. Yeah. And you'll be talking about taking him very early in your first round. Mm -hmm. Let's transition here now, Toby. We've got another wide receiver. It's not really a direct comparison. Everyone knew that clicking on this episode. We're not comparing which one should you take between Jamar Chase and Seth Williams. But Seth Williams is an interesting prospect in his own right. What do you think about him? Seth Williams is complicated. And 
He's a little bit bigger. Okay, I know we just said it's not a comparison, but... <laughs> no, it's all good. He's Compare a little away. bit bigger than Jamar Chase, a little bit taller than Jamar Chase. But that's about it. In terms of wide receiver prospects, Seth Williams was really hard for me to analyze because what, what everyone touts him to be is an amazing 50-50 ball catcher, and that's totally fair. If you go watch tape, he uses his size and his basketball background to go up get the ball, essentially Randy Mossing guys. Quite a few times he mosses people, and it's very pleasing to watch. Seth Williams uses his size as an advantage and his height, and he goes up, he gets the ball, 50-50 balls, he's catching them. Great hand catcher, he almost never catches it against his body, he almost never bobbles it or double catches. And while this is a valuable asset and trait, absolutely, almost every other wide receiver we've spoken about on this podcast, I feel like has him beat in terms of speed has a beat in terms of route running, which is kind of crazy to say because Seth Williams' routes are fantastic, but teams genuinely might be fatigued as they're watching tape of just amazing route runners, guys that have speed, guys that have such explosiveness. When you get to Seth Williams, there isn't a whole lot that can separate him from the competition, which is why I'm pretty confident he'll be a he'll be a third-round draft pick. That's what I he's th- projected. I think it's pretty consensus. For him to fall to the fourth round, would that would it would still surprise me because he he was the single most productive Auburn wide receiver in I believe it's like the last eighteen years since Chris Carter came out of Auburn. Like wow, he, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's you know he made headlines. Auburn had extremely inconsistent quarterback play, so I don't like to go too in depth on his stats. When I was watching the type of player he is, and you look at his stats, it's kind of two two different pictures, but. What I worry about him at the next level is how slow he is off the line. I felt that, obviously it would be insulting if I called his feet clumsy, but he's far from the most agile wide receiver. I see making his breaks at the line of scrimmage. Oftentimes, like yes, he's stamping his feet and he's trying to make a cut, but he's never outright beating anyone off the line, which you'd love for him to do if he's just going to go out, run a fly route and try and jump him and get that ball. Because of this reason, I do have some red flags about how productive he'll actually be in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. And my, honestly, it's it's a, a bit of a silly comp, but I comp Seth Williams to Mike Williams. In that, when I think about Mike Williams, that number one ball skill he has is it's just huge size. He's going up and getting the ball. And it's kind of what Seth Williams has. Great 50-50 ball skills. He's running a ton of deep routes, which also Mike Williams does. Doesn't have that huge size that Mike has, which is a little bit different, but they're also both known as being big red zone threats. And that's kind of the last thing I will say is Seth Williams gets targeted in the red zone a lot, and he deservedly got a number of his touchdowns because of that. I'm unsure about how a team will use him if they want him to be in the slot and the outside, if they just want him out in the outside. He's more of a mystery to me than most of the wide receivers, just because I don't think he's going to break out in his rookie year in the NFL. No, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty. And confident. most of these wide receivers won't, other than yeah. the top few. I am much cooler than several people about him. I saw at least two to three drafts where he was going in the second round, and I just I don't think so. I think you can think of an Amos St. Brown, even in my draft rankings, I would sooner take Diami Brown than I would take Seth Williams, just because I don't see a ton of the crazy positive attributes he could bring as a dynasty asset. I think it's good that you compare him to Diami Brown because that is the 
inner debate I have in my rankings. So. Yeah. I would take Seth Williams just after I took Diami Brown. They're almost the same, but Diami has more what I'm looking for in a dynasty asset. Mm-hmm. And one of the factors when I'm comparing these two is it does look like Diami Brown is higher rated by NFL teams. So I do think he will go earlier in the draft and that could, okay. could push it in Diami's favor. Seth Williams has had three solid seasons at Auburn. He broke out at 19.4 years of age, which is solid. It's in the 81st percentile. And I actually, I should mention with Jamar Chase also, because I didn't say his breakout age, it was at 19.5, very similar in the 78th percentile. So both of these guys broke out at an age that you definitely like to see. As of right now, Seth Williams is 21.9. So he will enter the NFL as a 22-year-old, which is not bad. As we talked about with his size, he is 6'3 and 211 pounds. And this is how his three seasons went. So in 2018, his first year in college, he, over 10 games, had 40 targets, only 26 receptions, but he did have 534 yards. He had great yard per reception with 20.5 and five touchdowns to go along with those yards. In 2019, over 12 games, he had 59 receptions on 105 targets. So he's not receiving the ball at a high rate, and I do think that is a lot of quarterback play. There'd be times where he's running in the end zone and the ball just got airmailed. It was pretty frustrating. But he had, with those 59 receptions, 830 yards, which is a yards per reception of 14.1, and then he had eight touchdowns in those 12 games. And then finally, in 2020, He played 11 games, which is more than most people got to. He had, again, only 47 receptions on 106 targets. Not a great rate, but he had 760 yards, a yards per reception of 16.2, and four touchdowns over those 11 games. Looking at his team dynamic and, of course, that quarterback and the way that he was being thrown balls, I do think that he will probably be of value for a team in the third round. I expect that right now I'm comparing him to someone like Diami Brown, and come actual rookie drafts, Diami Brown will be an early-ish second pick, and Seth Williams will be a mid to late third. And so where I'm going to have to spend up to get Diami Brown, I will probably not have to spend Hmm. up to get Seth Williams. And therefore, I'm probably more likely to end up with Seth Williams on my team because I do think he has a lot of potential for fantasy. I think he profiles as a very solid number two on a team. Looking at his tape, I said that unlike what you thought, I think he is decent off the line. This is one problem I have with him though. There were times, and I think it is especially when the play was not designed for the ball to be thrown his way, that he was not giving it 100%. And I found that especially then he would get off the line slowly. It's as if he thinks, oh, this one's going to the slot guy probably, so I'll just run my route, kind of going through the motions, and that's really frustrating. And that's something that, you know, if you are trying to strive for the NFL, you need to be giving 100%, 100% of the time. I thought that he did have good cuts in the open field and also in his routes, but he did need to find better consistency. Sometimes those cuts will have, you know, be a bit rounded or a little bit easier to track. And if you're rounding off your routes, some really good corners that he'll be facing in the NFL can undercut those, lead to interceptions, etc. So he has some things that he needs to clean up there. But again, I do think he has pretty great potential. He has really solid yards. Per reception, obviously we're comparing him in this episode to Jamar Chase, but if we're comparing him to everyone else, 
at yards per reception, which was around 15 to 20 in all three of his years, is very good. Yeah. That's very impressive. And what is especially impressive is, you know, I'm comparing him to Diami Brown. Diami Brown ran go routes and not much else. So, of course, he was going to have high yards per reception. Seth Williams didn't. Seth Williams actually has a great route tree. He ran a ton of different routes. He lined up in different areas, occasionally in the slot, mostly out wide, but even when he was lining up out wide, he was running crosser routes, he was running comebacks, etc., curls, all things that I like to see and that coaches will want to have as an option within their offense. He wasn't as dominant on contested catches as I think he should have been considering his size, but... He still does use that size to his advantage. A lot of times if he doesn't have a very solid big corner on him, he can bully them off and make sure he can get up and get the ball. But overall, I think the issue, like you brought up, is that he pretty much has what I want, what I'm looking for, except for that he is not a dominant athlete. If he has a great combine or pro day, I guess I should say, and tests really well, that will really improve his stock for me because... I think that's one of the few things that can improve his stock is that he goes out and he actually puts out better measurables than in mm-hmm. the tape. I, I want him to be more explosive. I want to see him jump off the yeah. page a little bit to be able to get over defenders and have that top end speed that he can break away with. He doesn't quite have that on tape. And if he did, I would be very much in love with him. I actually did put him just above Diami Brown in my rankings and i assume both of us have him over tylen wallace who at least for me is still ranked as the lowest wide receiver i've looked at so far so that is the range in that he's in i expect he will probably be generally taken in your third round of rookie drafts and i quite like him at value there depending where he goes i hope he can land in a spot where if he hits his ceiling he will be in every down wide receiver two on a team i think that's what he can be i think that's what he can excel at but He does still need to refine certain parts of his game and hopefully show us a little bit more athleticism than what we're seeing now for him to really hit a ceiling to kill it for you in Dynasty Fantasy Football. Okay, that's it for these two receivers. Next week, we're going to get into running backs, and we're actually going to do three running backs. So of the group, Kylan Hill, Ramondre Steven, Michael Carter, and Jarrett Patterson We're going to do three of those four, so why don't you let us know which three you are most hyped for us to talk about. Hit us up on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty. But of course, before we finish off this episode, we are going to do the segment we do every single week. It is our Dynasty Buy of the Week. Toby has created some hints for me, and I'm going to be guessing if you want to know exactly how this game works. I will put it in the description below. Toby, hit me with your first hint. Hint number one. I'm a wide receiver, and in week 16, I put up 30.10 fantasy points. Hmm, okay. Someone that blew up late in the year. (sighs) Okay, I don't think this is the perfect guess, but obviously I don't have a ton to go off of. I remember that LaVisca Chenault blew up in week 17 especially. I'm not sure about 16, but that will be my guess. I'm going to go LaVisca Chenault. A good guess, but incorrect. I finished as the wide receiver 38 on the air, and my team is not expected to take a wide receiver in the draft. Okay, 38. Honestly, I always find with wide receivers, someone that ends up around 38 is usually better than you think. A receiver that's even a wide receiver 3 or 4 often has some useful games throughout the year. You just don't really think of them that way. 
I do think I should go off of mostly the second part of that hint, though. A team that has some solid wide receivers, some players that I think you would give this hint because their wide receiver room is pretty solid. It brings me to a team like Dallas, who you think, why would they take another wide receiver if they already have a Gallup, Cooper, and CD? It's possible that it's CD, but I'm not exactly confident in that guess. I'll go with it, though. Why not? Let's go CD Lamb. Incorrect. Number three, arguably, I'm thought of as my team's third best wide receiver. Hmm. Basically, another guess. I think the same area. A team that has three solid enough wide receivers that I could still be in the mix. It's definitely not the Giants anymore because they've cut one of their three and they're fully expected to take a wide receiver. Uh, My mind went to the Bengals, but I don't think that really fits either because AJ Green is probably gone. The Steelers, hmm, I don't know if you would include them just because Juju might not be on their team, and Mm. in my mind he is the number three wide receiver at this point. Okay, here's a player that it could possibly work with. I'm not confident yet again, but it's a player that was especially good in the back half of the season. I would have called him the third wide receiver on his team. However, I don't think he'd be on the same team this year, so you might pick him as a dynasty buy. Go with Curtis Samuel. I like it, but it is not Curtis Samuel. Fourth hint. Although I played in the NFC least and took a step down in production this year, I have an important teammate coming back, and my team's wide receiver might be leaving at the end of the year 2021. So that's my team's leading wide receiver, maybe leaving at the end of year 2021. Okay, your important player coming back is Dak, and the player, because I already said CD, it has to be Gallup. It is Michael yeah. Gallup. Okay. I couldn't believe when you said CD. I was like, it's so close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so close. Um, Michael Gallup is a fantastic football player. He has suffered from being around other really fantastic football players with either an enormous contract, being Amari Cooper, or unbelievable draft capital, being C.D. Lamb, falling to the Cowboys, who I don't think they originally planned to draft him until he fell into the laps. He's one of the better wide receiver threes out there in the league. And when he gets his time to shine, and either you had Cooper, who was slightly dinged up in Week 16, I mean, Gallup absolutely balls out. And when Dak Prescott is back and Amari Cooper leaves in 2021, which I feel like the huge millions and millions and millions of dollars going to Dak means that Cooper probably won't get another long-term contract with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Gallup is, it's then Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. And don't get me wrong, CeeDee Lamb is also fantastic. He's going to you know, require a lot of attention, a lot of targets, also a lot of coverage. Michael Gallup is going to be an unbelievable wide receiver two to have. But right now... He's a relative afterthought in redraft, and he's still a wide receiver three with an, you know, an undetermined future ahead of him. So because of that, go buy Michael Gallup. I like his price right now. I do think he's fairly cheap, so I would agree with that. However, Michael Gallup is also a free agent at the end of 2021, and I think even though they could get out from Amari Cooper's contract, the most likely scenario in my mind is that Michael Gallup is leaving. Ooh. So I don't hate it as a buy because I don't think 
anyone expects much out of Michael Gallup in 2020. I think this is a buy that you would be trading for him now, assuming that there will be a time, probably after the 2021 season, Mm -hmm. that his value will go up. If Cooper leaves, I agree that that would happen. I also think it could happen on a different team. If the Packers go up and sign him, that'd be sweet. Of course. That would be like a near best case scenario. I think it's much more likely he's just a number two on a different team, but that number two on... The Miami Dolphins with Tua, you know, maybe their number one is Jamar Chase and their number two is Michael Gallup. That could still be a productive position to be in, especially considering that you're buying him right now, knowing you're eating a year of almost no production. Mm -hmm. I don't think unless, I guess, if there's some injuries in front of him, there will ever be a time, even if he has a good week, he's the type of player that you're still not starting him the next week because he's just third or fourth on the target depth chart so you're just not that hyped about him but in a year in two years he's only 25 right now he could become that i agree that i like the profile of the player i was you know pretty hurt with how his value dropped off a cliff because they took cd and i agree they weren't going out of their way to take a wide receiver there it just happened because they had the luxury of taking whatever player fell to them i think it was a really smart pick because cd is great But yeah, as of right now, he's locked into that obvious third wide receiver spot, so his value is depressed. And either way, no matter how that free agency goes next season, I do think his value could increase. So it's a solid buy. It is funny, I guess, C.D. Lamb as well. (laughs) I felt bad when you did. I was like, "Uh, nope. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately with C.D., uh, I think the time to buy was before Dak got his contract. So I think that window has closed pretty significantly. But that's it. That is our 47th episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast. I thank you again for joining me, Toby. It was a lot of fun. Anytime. And uh, thank you all for listening. Have a good one. Peace.